like put those two things like they're just synonymous. All like, these he knives. was young. He had all these knives. Of <laughs> course, I was like, like he was young. He was fit. It was like that kind of if equation. Y'all knew One him, equals the other. If y'all knew him around the age that this happened, it wouldn't be surprising. It probably wouldn't be surprising. Hello and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up, Inconclusive. My name is James. My name is Abigail. And my name is Candace. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table. It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer. Okay, let's begin. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Why am I not surprised at it's that intro? It's a new, uh, what? Why am I not surprised at that intro? Why, why not? Because it it's subtle. Subtle, yeah. It's very subtle. Very Some subtle. might say subconscious. Oh, oh no. Which leads us into today's topic. What a great segue. Episode number three on our series on unpopular opinions. And it's my <laughs> turn to share. I feel like unsurprisingly, whatever James is going to say is going to be very unpopular. It's probably going to be subconscious. That's my guess for the segue. Potentially, or it might be just implicit. Oh, no. Which is what we're talking about. Today, we're talking about implicit racial bias. Dun, dun, dun. Or potentially more broadly, just implicit bias in general. Hmm. But uh, to start, maybe we can just give some initial impressions on the term itself. Does it evoke any emotion within you? Perhaps (laughs) of guilt or of shame? For what your ancestors committed. <laughs> Go ahead. Abigail. Well, um, my ancestors came from poor rural parts of Eastern Europe very recently. So I don't feel any specific shame towards my ancestors specifically. Um, but I definitely feel a sense of privilege based upon the color of my skin in society, even though my lineage didn't necessarily benefit from that. Mm. Interesting that you referenced benefiting from society. <laughs> just, just a comment. Just a comment. No I, point. I no point nothing, there. I nothing underneath happening. It, no point. Nothing to it. No point there. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of on the fence, I guess, with this. Like, yes, I, I agree with Abigail in that I feel like I have benefited from like immensely, I'm aware that I've benefited immensely from the color of my skin in certain scenarios, and many more that I'm probably aware of. Mm. Um, I can I can name some that I know my skin tone ben- helped me benefit in one way or another, or helped me get out of a situation. I can be specific, but I'm not gonna for now. <laughs> um, but as far as shame from my ancestors. I so I read I read a book called White Trash like six months ago and it still kind of sticks with me thinking that I think like half of my family came from um, indentured servitude from Europe moving here and then I think the other half came from a like middle to upper class something or other because my great 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 grandfather was the attorney general of the United States underneath like four presidents. So I can only assume that there was at least some prestige on that side of the family, but 
We all know how well-respected politicians are these days. <laughs> yeah, but he was a good one. And the, oh, when good. I found out from it, I I was I panicked at first when I first found out about it because... You were like, oh, no, what if he's a... What if he was a racist? <laughs> well, he was on oh. the he was on the case for um, Brown versus Board of Education, and I still don't, not entirely sure. I think he was defending the good guys, quote unquote. Like I think that's what was going on because it was the case of separate but e- equal. Mm-hmm. But it was I, I, from what I can tell, he was against segregation. Segregation. I hope you're right. I sure hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, you maybe should have but some I shame mean, for your ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> so that, like, why do I feel like the like that that fear of like, what if he did something that was shameful or nowadays and or was shameful back then too? But like, also, I should be ashamed of it nowadays. I don't know. Like, why do I feel this shame about it? Which I think that he's not. I think he was good. <laughs> we can hope. That's an interesting idea of like generational shame of like. Like you didn't do anything, right. you know what I mean? Right. But like being but it's like his blood, being related to, I mean, so yeah, you know what I mean? Like, but there's you, a lot of generational things that come down to totally sidestep Nazis. this conversation entirely. No, not even that. I was gonna say like generational trauma is a thing. Mm. So like the trauma that your ancestors have experienced in certain ways alter your DNA to put to put you as the person that you are today. And without some of the factors that happened like way back or or traumatic events that have happened you wouldn't be like biologically even who you are that is wild so i feel like if that's a thing which it is Mm -hmm. then generational Mm -hmm. shame could also be a thing because but should it be a thing i mean maybe not maybe not shame maybe like acknowledge open acknowledgement and trying to do better for the benefit of society i acknowledge that this thing was in my past right and so being able to move Forward. So then what, what might you, like, suggest as a remedy <laughs> other than just cognitive recognition? I think it's just cognitive recognition. Just cognitive recognition. I don't okay. think society has, like, specific ways, like, I, as far as generational shame goes, there's not, like, specific way to deal with it. Because I feel like at a certain point, we all want, or not all, not all, I take that back. Some. <laughs> the people who are good people. Oh, <laughs> oh shots fired! No, I mean... Want there to be less racism in the world? I, I mean, really yeah. hope that. Yeah, that no good sentence. people don't like you that. started that. You in a cut different it off. Direction. You cut it off. I was heading that way. Good people. This <laughs> Abigail's unpopular opinion. <laughs> racism the- is bad, <laughs> and only good people want there to be less racism. Are there good people though? Ooh, that is a not according question. to. That's a great segue, mm, Candace. What? Thank you. Because back to implicit racism. <laughs> Have you even said your opinion on this yet? I've not. Oh, okay. Let me say my opinion, and then we can slowly destroy it <laughs> bit by bit. <laughs> um, I found that from reading a bunch of articles on the implicit bias or implicit racial bias and the tests that go along with it, that it's, very com- it's a very complex issue. But I found myself thinking of it similarly to how I felt about uh, microaggressions, but in a slightly different way, I think. Um, I think my opinion, to be very simple and um, uncomplex, mm. is that implicit racial bias is not a thing. To, to be clarify, very simple and uncomplex. To clarify, I'd like to say, of course, that racism is a thing, and racial behavior is also a thing. And I don't think we 
are going to use this episode to address things that both of you brought up about like systemic racism yeah, because okay. that's also open to interpretation, but that's mm-hmm. not what this episode's about. Mm-hmm. This episode is about whether people are implicitly racially biased and whether or not that has a bearing on the real world. I actually kind of wonder though, if you can have a conversation about implicit bias without talking about systemic racism. Oh, do tell. Because I feel like a lot of the ways that biases or racial biases would come up would have to do with systems that have taught and told us certain things over an extended period of time, which is why we're conditioned to believe certain things. Um, Like the first thing that kind of was coming into my head as we were initially having the talk was actually not about racism at all. It was about gender. And the first thing that I was kind of thinking about is like, we all know that in America, blue is for boys and pink is for girls. Mm. But that was not always true, first Mm -hmm. of all. And second of all, we only know that because that's what everyone tells us all of the time. It's Mm -hmm. not because girls actually independent in in a, in a, sterilized environment, right? Like if we were to take to a baby boy and a baby girl away from all outside factors, the girl isn't always going to gravitate more towards pink, right? We condition them because of society and boys to society of this mm. is like the male For color sure. and the female right. color. And I feel like the same thing happens with race. You're conditioned to be more afraid of people who are different than you. Mm. Um, and in a country like, and in the United States specifically, you're conditioned to be more afraid of what's going to happen from people of color. Um, and white people are safe mm. and people of color are not. And with that, I think we need to take a quick break. And welcome to Elusive Illusions with Candace with Abigail, where I do not do magic with illusions, but explain references used in film, music, or literature. Today's illusion is acting like a Scrooge. Acting like a Scrooge is a metaphor for being miserly, which means hoarding wealth. It is a reference to Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. We hear this illusion used when a person is behaving in a self-serving way, particularly financially, and typically to the disadvantage of someone else. Here's how you'd use this illusion in a sentence. I can't believe you didn't donate to the food drive. You're acting like a Scrooge. Acting like a Scrooge. And we're back. Before the break, Abigail was talking a little bit about how systemic issues and social conditioning could influence someone's views on different races. Um, I think you bring up valid points, uh, but I want to kind of go into the specific tests that started this whole trend. And because it kind of touches on some things that you've talked about. Okay. Um, have either of you taken the implicit association test? I have not. Candace, you have. Remember, this is that test that Malcolm Gladwell talked about. So you took it? I started it. You started Which uh-huh. one? Because there's a bunch of different ones. Uh-huh. Uh, just as an example, they're on, you can go to... So uh, kind of backtracking a little bit. In the uh, late 80s, early 90s, that's when this implicit association test was developed by psychologists at Harvard University and a professor from University of Washington. And so they put out this test and they basically used it uh, to claim that it like revealed 
the unconscious prejudice of America, Mm -hmm. basically. And they were like, hey, you can take this and figure out, you know, how you are implicitly biased. And you could take a bunch of different ones. There's a skin tone one. There's a weight one, a disability one, religion, age, Asian, presidents, transgender, race, (laughs) Arab, Muslim, gender, career, gender, science, sexuality, and weapons. That sounds like a really strange movie title altogether. (laughs) That whole thing. (laughs) Yes. Asian presidents, transgender race, Arab Muslim, gender career, gender science, sexuality, weapons. The sequel. Oh. <laughs> Two. <laughs> so Is it a anyways, movie or not? That's the question. <laughs> so Candace, I guess since you've taken it, do you remember what it was like? I remember it was, he gave like a couple of example questions from the version that he was talking about. And so you could start doing it with just those. I think it was the skin tone one because okay. it was like, it had you look at random faces and then it flipped to something else yeah. and then you would go back to the faces yeah. and mm-hmm. see if you associate a phrase with a face versus another yeah. face. So basically what the implicit association test is, it specifically looks at how quickly you are able to associate images or concepts to good or bad mm-hmm. concepts. Mm-hmm. So um, in the race IAT you start off associating a light-skinned face with good and a black-skinned face with bad for the kind of like the, the control, I guess. And then the second time around, they ask you to flip it. And they look at how quickly it took your brain to adjust to oh. associating white with good versus now white with bad. And then they intermingled a bunch of other words and phrases like yucky or like so wait, words that are su- either good or so bad. So you were supposed to, the first time you take it, associate it all good. And then you take, like like part one, yeah. you're supposed to do everything that is... So basically, it, so yeah, so it, it, it doesn't... Mes- or just one it doesn't question. necessarily no 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 like it's a bunch it's like rapid fire and you're su- and you're told the directions are you're for told part one exact part one it, white Caucasian yep. skin good yep and, and you then have part to, two you flip it and you're su- and, and it's, so it's not it's not free form it's not here's a bunch of words here's a bunch of faces it starts no, out it's with not. the control. it's not Got like it. here's a person with a white face how do you feel. Or what it's do you not think? That, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically, okay. and it, it's really, it's looking for milliseconds of difference because the idea is if it takes you a long time to switch to saying a black face is good, that means you're more implicitly racist. Oh. Or if it takes you less time, then mm-hmm. you're implicitly biased towards black faces. Mm-hmm. So you could take the test and, and, you know, like come out with, oh, you're a slightly biased uh, in favor of white people, or you're slightly biased in favor of black people. Okay. So that's what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really like this flash a picture of a whatever and okay, who, see how who you Okay, who put react. it together? Um, good question. Two professors. Uh, professors Social of psychologists. Social psychologists. Yeah, social. Uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's B-A-N-A-J-I. How would you pronounce that? I feel like Banaji. Banaji. Yeah. And Anthony Greenwald of the University of Washington. But since then... Numerous other um, social psychologists social have psychologists. added to it, mm-hmm. and they've developed it even further. And it's this whole there's this whole nonprofit called Project Implicit that basically focuses on like administering or giving out all these tests, and they focus on providing resources to like if you've tested that you're biased this way, then here's some things you could look at mm. to like interesting. That's kind of like cool. Educate yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and like curb your curb your privilege. I sense your disdain. Um, yeah. So here, so here are a few <laughs> things. Yeah, so. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Like, I feel 
Like when we were in college, we probably took a course on like research just for mm-hmm. education. Maybe mm-hmm. did you? Have no, you? I did okay. not. I did. So like one of the things or two of the things that um, a study should do to be um, a good study is it's got to be reliable and it's got to be valid. Yeah, right. Reliable meaning it produces consistent results right. and valid meaning that it actually communicates what it's supposed to communicate. Right. And in the psychological community, this particular test actually is not good no from way. either of those standards. Wow. Okay, wait, it's not reliable. So here's... And it's so not... I'll, yeah, I'll break it down. Okay. So not reliable. Um, there is this guy on Vox, as well as a bunch of others, who've taken the test on consecutive days and have come up with different results. Okay. Just mm-hmm. within the matter of days. Mm-hmm. So you could take the test and have no automatic preference against white or black, and then the next day you have preference against white and then the next day you have a preference against black well malcolm gladwell like talked about that he said that some people do it as a way to wake up in the morning that they'll test their implicit bias for that day and then they'll work on what they need to to bring it back to equilibrium that day so like professors there's some professors who's been taking it for a decade and that's their thing to do every morning (laughs) that's super weird it's a thing um but basically there's there's ways of measuring reliability and i be, and i think i can't remember the exact number but usually you want the reliability be, to be in like the 0.9 range yeah, like upper 0.8 this one's in 0.44 oh. or like around 0.5 wow. which means like half the time it's, it's something different than what Is you did previously doesn't mean it's incorrect though necessarily yeah. it just means it doesn't give you the same result after repeated use. But is that it, that inconsistency of result, is that the malleability of our brain? That's what I was just going to ask. Is that mm-hmm. because this is such a, because it's such a, a social dependent kind of a thing, right? And in in what has happened during the day and what had happened the day before mm-hmm. and who did you talk to and what views were you listening to? What mm-hmm. radio station did you hear? What crime was committed in your neighborhood? Could right. be. Right? It you know, could, that would yeah. change it. So then I feel like the question then is, is that even fair then to assess a person in general to say that, oh, you're a biased if it changes day to day, right? Kind of like if we're just talking about like your mood. I think it wouldn't you know? be fair to test them and then be like, you're a racist and then have to <laughs> tattoo that across their forehead and make them walk well, around no, for with sure. it forever. Absolutely not. But as oh, far I thought as you said, absolutely. Like no. you were going with the yes <laughs> <No>. <laughs> on that, the affirmative. No, no, definitely not. But is it something that's probably good for us to be able to be aware of how our biases, I mean, cause that's a whole different thing being aware of how your biases change and what influences your biases in a day to day. Hey, today, I am less biased according to this test this morning. Mm-hmm. So what happened yesterday that was that reduced my biases? Okay, those those are good things. These were good interactions. I had this really great conversation. I watched, you know, a, a TV show that had a predominantly um, a main character who was black, who was a good person, right? You know what I mean? And so that's changed my perception a little bit. And okay, so how can I build more of these things into my day-to-day life? So it's life? interesting because it's not even our, it's not our conscious perceptions right because it's our right. implicit but that's those, literally milliseconds right but, like but those c- are the types of things that change implicit are the more exposure you have to things if the only right. good people who you ever see represented mm-hmm. are white people then mm-hmm. you're going to automatically have good represented with white and if the only but that's not that's not what this test does but it, what this test does is sees how quick you can flip between those two not whether you're associating good with white and bad with black But that flip, I think that's the the important part of that is it is milliseconds between deciding and not deciding how to view somebody. And 
I remember the reason why Gladwell brought it up in his book is he was talking about how does a policeman go from pulling someone over to their dead in less than two minutes. And it's because of several millisecond decisions that get yeah. made in rapid succession that then increase your blood pressure, that increase your yeah. um, your adrenaline and everything else. And he give, mm-hmm. gives example after example of all these policemen being in scenarios where the person did just the the borderline enough of a thing that a policeman, if they had an implicit or had a millisecond association in the negative direction with that skin color or that person based on what they saw, then it would totally veer off the so way. So you guys are kind of referencing it. the validity of the IAT test mm-hmm. in terms of does it indicate things that it claims to indicate? Yeah. And on that note, we will take a quick break. Hello, and welcome to Hilarious Happenings in History, where I explore strange but true events from human history. Today's event is one of the first recorded solar eclipses in 585 BC. The solar eclipse in Asia Minor brought an abrupt halt to a battle as the warring armies laid down their arms and declared a truce. According to Herodotus, the appearance of a solar eclipse at the time of the battle was interpreted as an omen, and it interrupted everything. According to Wired.com, the heavens darkened, soldiers of both kings put down their weapons, the battle was over, and so was the war. After 15 years of back-and-forth fighting between the Medes and the Lydians, the kings of Sicilia and Babylon intervened and negotiated a treaty. The River Halys, where the Battle of the Eclipse was fought, became the border between the Lydians and the Medes. This was not the earliest recorded eclipse that caused a commotion. After failing to predict one in 2300 BC, two Chinese astrologers attached to the emperor's court were soon detached from their heads. Thanks for listening to Hilarious Happenings in History. Catch you next time. Welcome back, listeners. Before the break, we were just about to start talking about whether or not this test is valid in terms of does it reveal what it intends to reveal. And um, most of the articles that I took a look at, which included both sides, I try to be pretty fair about this, um, was that there's no... um, there's no clear indication between your someone's IAT scores and how they act in real life. That's interesting. Because in real life, with with the exception of police situations, mm-hmm. which which is definitely something that happens, where they have to make millisecond millisecond mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah. Usually, people can make seconds decisions mm-hmm. or potentially even minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, some of those things that you guys that you're referencing. Candace specifically about police and how quickly it takes them to pull, put, you know, pull their weapon out and shoot someone. I mm-hmm. think those are definitely things that are in the millisecond range. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, that's about it, right? Are there other situations in life where it requires you to make a millisecond decision where race could play a role? Because when let's say you're, let's say um, a few other things that people bring up a lot of times are like hiring, right? Mm. You shouldn't be making hiring decisions in milliseconds, right? Right. And so many uh, companies now use computer software to process their resumes and stuff that it's almost, it's automatic. Well, so not necessarily in milliseconds, but 
I, I do know, like, so Gladwell gives another example of where looking at someone's face actually makes you make the wrong decision more times than it doesn't, or to, more times than not. And it's judgment. When a judge is able to see the, um, the person who is being on, put, put on trial, if they're able to look them in the eye, more often than not, when they, after they see them, they make a decision that will be reversed five years later. Like, for example, let's say that someone stole Well, no, I think I get that. I'm struggling. How does that relate to what we're talking about? I'm saying as far as looking at someone's face and making the wrong decision based on how you look at them, it's not a millisecond decision, but it is a decision where you looked at them and the way that you're, you perceive But the question is, if you looked at a white, uh, I guess, defendant versus mm-hmm. a black defendant, but if it, milliseconds make a difference in that scenario... And it I would doesn't say no. I would okay. say but yes, it, but it makes it a difference. I would say yes because. because but here's the thing, though. Okay, because, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I would say it does in a lot of situations, including even going back to the hiring thing. Because if you're someone who is implicitly or subconsciously or whatever term you want to use, um, having this bias against a like a black face, right? When you first see them or you first are interviewing them or they're first coming in front of your eyes, your knee-jerk decision is going to be some, some type of recoil, right? Whether it's physical or it's just mental or you're like, this person isn't qualified. Yep. So it doesn't matter how they defend themselves because mm-hmm. that that immediate decision from the moment that you saw them mm-hmm. is hard to reverse. Now, if you know that you're biased, mm-hmm. if you and not that this test... I don't give a crap about the test. If you, if you, wow. sorry, that was really strong. Um, regardless of the test, maybe that's less strong. Um, if you are aware that that could exist and you're trying to actively work against it, maybe it wouldn't matter, right? Like maybe you could be like, oh, why did I think that? Mm-hmm. Is that really valid according to the questions that they've answered? But most people, um, maybe more currently, but most people aren't really aware that that exists. You don't know why you just had a bad feeling. I just had a bad feeling about this person. Mm-hmm. And is that bad feeling because you have some sort of a negative constant association mm-hmm. because of the color of their mm-hmm. skin, which so, kind of ties into what you were saying about the decisions being made mm-hmm. when you yeah. can see a person's face. I, th- mm-hmm. I think I totally understand where you're coming from, but where I'm stuck on is that there's right now, there's no way for us to know what is holding them back from making that hiring decision, right? We don't know if they've had a bad day or if they've, whatever's happened or if their lunch was bad and they're stomach hurts, or whatever, or they're racist, implicitly, right? So there's only one thing so far that has one way of testing that up to this point that goes into the subconscious that's like, oh, you're actually a little pro-white, or you're actually a little pro-black, or whatever. And I don't think it's fair to assign someone's racial bias level based on a test that's neither reliable nor valid in predicting real life uh, actions and decisions. Have you seen that study of names on job applications? Yes. Does the, how does that factor in? Do you think? Well, I think that's real. Yeah. So yeah. That was just. But like I don't think that's implicit anymore. I don't think that's implicit. But I think that's straight up. That's straight up. You have a different name, or your name looks different. Mm. Right, because more if, conscious. Because that in that in that particular study, they presented the employer with the exact same resumes right. they had to pick. Right. Right. So that that to me, I don't know the uh, reliability or the validity of that particular test, mm. but that seems a bit more clear cut. Because mm-hmm. in the IAT, the difference is milliseconds. Mm-hmm. It like it's not seconds. 
It like it's not taking someone like very long to switch back mm-hmm. and forth. They had to go down to the millisecond to really find a difference. So they're mm-hmm. really digging at like they're really trying to pick at something that's like barely there. So on that note, let's go back to the placement scenario. Yeah. Are you like are you saying what I think I hear you saying is that we can't really understand the millisecond decision making of our subconscious, but with policemen, we we have to figure out some way to understand it so that we can train train it in to train people like to rein it in like a horse. Like we have to put bridles on our subconscious millisecond decisions. Otherwise, how can policemen train in a way that will be neutral racially mm-hmm. and everything else? Mm-hmm. It's, it, I was going to say I agree because it's really important because it's more than just did this person get or not get this job that mm-hmm. they applied for. It's did it they really get shot. is life and death, right? It's mm-hmm. did did they did they get taken down and killed mm-hmm. because of something that if a white person did they wouldn't. Which actually brings me to two different anecdotes that are vastly different situations. The first is I had a friend named Tyrone who mm-hmm. was a white man who used to send in a picture on his resume so he would get hired places because <gasps> if he didn't send in a picture of his white face to um, to play then he would have less likely of a chance to get hired in his personal experience, which is not going against anything. It's not a necessarily a valid test. It's his own personal experience. Sure. Qualitative, Anecdotal, right? yeah. And so he had learned like when he was young, like starting at 16, that he had to start sending in a picture. He wouldn't mm. get hired for jobs with resumes. So that's on the one side, um, which is terrible, which is just terrible um, to think that he got him because he was white. And so then it's, that means that if he really was like someone who looked like the name like sounds like. Like a stereotypical like, right? Tyrone. Quote, yeah. Quote, right. Then he Tyrone. wouldn't have gotten yeah. the job. Mm-hmm. Um, things That's that he's so qualified sad. for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other one is actually kind of very different. It goes along to maybe the police thing. So growing up, um, my husband lived out in the country and was a... Um, he still is like a collector of knives and slightly dangerous uh, uh, implements or whatever. And he used to go for like these long walks around wherever. And he got pulled over by a police officer once who like, and he was like, I mean, he was young and had like all these knives on him. Dang. Like with those two things, like they're just synonymous. All like, these he knives. was young. He had all these <laughs> knives. Of young course. People. I was like, like, he was young. He was fit. It was like that kind of if equation. Y'all knew One him, equals the other. If y'all knew him around the age that this happened, it wouldn't be surprising. It probably wouldn't be surprising if this was just a few years ago either. <laughs> but because he is white, when the police officer came instead of arresting him or shooting him like what happened with that kid um mm. or the anything. boy that was playing with a toy a toy in right his yard. he just the police officer just <laughs> took the knives threw them into the field and then left right and i know I'll also wait the weird. field where he was standing next to well, he was walking home um, but so yeah, just a like, police back. officer chuck some knives into a field. <laughs> yeah, what? sounds like he's got to get he, fired. Like, but he put, like, put he up. put my husband like on the car and like patted him down and took all the knives and threw and threw them into the field. Um, but he was a kid; he was like fifteen or sixteen at the mm-hmm. time too. So you know, it wasn't like he was wielding them or anything. But 
That's such a great word. Wielding. Wielding. It is a good word. I love that word. It's a great word. Wielding knives. But I feel like that's another kind of level of that sense of he had real weapons Mm -hmm. in a real context similar to what? Multiple. Multiple. Like like five Mm -hmm. or six. (laughs) Very, very big ones. And um, What is he doing? Like hunting? I don't know. (laughs) This was was before me. He's squirreling. He's squirreling. Being a teenage white boy in a rich neighborhood. That could do that and no one would bat an eye. he didn't die. He didn't die. Right? And that's because he was white. Ugh. Right? Okay, okay, but a white kid walking in a black neighborhood could very easily get hurt as well. If we're being completely honest. Yeah. If you walk in the wrong neighborhood. I mean, that's just anywhere to anybody. I don't know about white kid walking into a black neighborhood. I feel like that's that's also kind of racially driven by itself to say that just because a kid walks in. I'm saying like a black kid has a knife no, on I understand. him and police okay, find so, him. Okay, okay, okay. Never it's mind. It's going to be very different than a white, that so, situation. Yes. Going back to, there's actually been studies by both, uh, by the federal government to okay. look at police behavior, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to bias. And they've, they were able to come, uh, uncover a large amount of bias, mm. but it was explicit bias, mm-hmm. which means they expressed their views, their actions reflected their views that expressed and it mm-hmm. influenced the way that they acted. Mm-hmm. Right. I wonder and if I'm totally against expressed. that. I'm, a, I'm against treating other people rudely or differently simply because of their appearance, but they were unable to uncover implicit discrimination to the scale that we seem to think it exists. I wonder if that explicit versus implicit is like makes more sense when you talk about like the this is a girl toy or a girl color versus this is a boy girl or a boy color like that's more explicit right like are you saying like, like saying I'm going back to way at the beginning when we were, were talking about boy color being like color yeah blue, blue and pink like yeah, blue yeah. and pink right by saying which green and purple let's go with those. <laughs> or let's not Barney gender colors, colors. Oh, or let's true. have I'm all sorry. colors I'm sorry, for all listeners. people like. Free the color, but the color. <laughs> but if we if we're to say you can't wear that because it's you know to to a boy because it's pink, mm-hmm. that's, that's explicit. explicit. Right. Sure. But saying you, but maybe ever anytime you actually express it would be explicit, yeah. right? But anytime you think it is also explicit because it's not because it's not once you've thought it, it goes into your conscience. Oh, so I see. Any right? decision okay, that okay. you make before it enters your conscious exactly. Thought. It's like immediate knee jerk exactly. reactions. Right. Right. Okay. And with that, I think we need to take a break. Welcome to Fun Facts with Abigail with James. Did you know that the fastest boat speed in world history is 317.59 miles per hour? or 511.11 kilometers per hour. The boat, named Spirit of Australia, was built by Ken Warby in his backyard in Sydney, 1978. It was equipped with a Westinghouse J-34 jet engine, which had been used for aircraft and jet fighters. Warby's boat went through various trials and modifications in 1977 before surpassing the 500-kilometer-per-hour threshold in October of 1978. Although several others have attempted to surpass Warby's record, none have succeeded, and few, a few have been fatal. The Spirit of Australia is displayed permanently at the Australian National Maritime Museum in Darling Harbour, Sydney, New South Wales. This has been Fun Facts with Abigail with James. Catch you next time.
Welcome back, listeners. Before the break, we were talking... Crap, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about Shoot. explicit versus implicit oh, bias. Yeah, explicit we kind of came, implicit. I think we kind of came to a realization of, yes. of what, like ex- this. what implicit means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, regardless of what we think of the implicit racial test, one of the proposed solutions, which is another reason I have a problem with this, is this kind of like racial sensitivity training, which as a general idea just seems very strange to me because it, on on a very general level, it's basically telling people, here's how you ought to think about black people. Here's how you ought to think about Asians. Here are some bad ways to think about black people. Here's some bad ways to think about Asians. And so you need to curb your thoughts, which is kind of strange. No, do you definitely not, because so? that's like what we do with teaching. Like, and like, if you think from like an educational standpoint, you give non-examples in the way that things should be, especially in literature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is how you need to be reading. This is how okay. you need to be writing. This is how you need to not be doing okay. it. There's different ways to write though, right? Would you say? There's, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. Mi- yeah. there's thousands like of different, like, let's say you're teaching, sure, poetry, mm-hmm. right? There's millions of ways that a poem could go. But there's only one correct way to spell the words that make up the poem. I agree. Unless you're Canadian. So, so, unless you're Canadian. So there's totally... <laughs> okay, there's my, four different ways, right? My, the English-speaking... Okay, so even in English, there's different ways of spelling things. But let's just say that it's completely objective that harbor is spelled without a U, mm-hmm. right? And you're teaching how to spell harbor. But there are things that are subjective, right? And I think where I have a problem is, is how do we perceive the entire racial group as one objective standard. How do you want, though, but not addressing it and not saying, because the way that, that it wants to be addressed is equality. Like, you should look at a black person and think the same types of thoughts that you innately look at a white person and think. Mm. So like, that's, that's ex- what the training is about. So, like, it's explicitly trying to cr- change the way that you're thinking in a negative way. Because, mm-hmm. because going back to, like, the beginning of this conversation, too, it's really hard to address all of this without talking about the systemicness of, of race. I'm totally a fan of addressing explicit, ra- explicit racial bias. But it comes, sometimes it comes from an implicit place. But it doesn't. The study, no study shows that. But it, That's the okay, thing. But it comes from learning it where you don't know that you've learned it. There's no study that shows that. If so, you grow up in a no, family... No, I'm saying, okay, so you're giving an anecdote, which is great, but those all point to explicit cases of racist attitudes or biased attitudes. Um, can I give an example that's not on racism that to help me see if they're the same or if they're similar? So I have never looked at a woman and thought, oh, she could rape me. I've never had that thought. I've never looked at a woman and thought that. But I've never been taught, like, oh, women will not rape you more than likely. That's just something societally I've learned that most rapes are a man to a woman. And that, like, most girls were, like, trained a certain way to think, like, don't go outside. Which is very true. With that, that's why a lot, like... In kidnapping cases, mm-hmm. there's a significant, often, like a light more likelihood that you're going to be kidnapped by a woman mm. taking you into those kinds of industries because you're not afraid of women. Women mm. are more trustworthy. And again, no one has ever told me that. I yeah. just haven't been. Well, you just I mean, known that from you can, crime you can, stories. You can, <laughs> you can learn things from 
Like, I mean, as teachers, we know you can learn things from hidden curriculum. Right. I'm not debating that at all. Right. But that, I'm that debating is hidden curriculum of life. That's not curriculum of life. It Sorry? is, but that's the hidden curriculum of life that you okay, cross sure. the street yeah. when a black sure, man sure. walks by because he's going to steal that's and hurt explicit. your thing. But it's not explicit. It's in your thought. Yeah, the yes, thought is. is this. The but thought I'm, is this. I've never no, had no, no, that no, person. Look, look, no, no, the no, thought no. is this. Once you have a thought, it is no longer implicit. But I've never had that conscious thought of a black man is going no, to steal from me No, that's what I was going to say. My thought is this person is scary, and I don't know why. I just know that they're scary, and I cross the street. And the reason that they're scary is if it was explicit, if someone was to sit down, okay, you cross, I noticed that you cross the street here, a researcher. I noticed that you cross the street <laughs> the researcher right being Abigail, creepy watching um, CCTV. <laughs> right, yes, go back to our surveillance. Um, I noticed that you crossed the street, Abigail, at this point. Um, why did you do that? And then we were to break it down, right? If the, the, that's when it would become explicit, me saying, oh, it was because they look scary. Well, why? What was scary about them? What if it was this person versus this person mm-hmm. and came down to the fact that it was because of the color of their skin? Mm-hmm. That is what makes it explicit. Just doing it subconsciously because, oh, mm-hmm. that's implicit. Okay. So when you do an action, you don't know what it is until it becomes explicit. Right. Okay. I totally agree. So why are we judging each other on things that they have not made explicit? Because... I like, who am I? So here's my thing. Who am I to point to you, your subconscious mind, and accuse you of something that you haven't even thought? I'm not even that's, saying that. I'm but saying, no, but that's what, that's what that, the outcome is. The outcome here, and it's the way this is being used in society, is that when you take this test, or actually it's people have generalized because, surprise, most people favor their own racial group. <laughs> and basically the lesson quote, the lesson that this IAT test teaches is that you're implicitly biased. But so, by, so by an unreliable, unvalid test, who are we to judge a non-thought? It's not even a thought. It's a pre-thought in someone else's mind. I don't think we have that authority. I, I can see, I think I can see where you're, you're where you're landing with this too, because it sounds dystopian. It very much sounds like 1984, them like the thought police going into people's heads and saying, you're not allowed to think independent thought. You have to have to exactly, but it goes beyond that. It's that your pre thinking implicit attitudes Mm -hmm. are shaping your there's so there's right now, there's no evidence Mm -hmm. that implicit thought directly like, People who test on the IAT uh, biased in one direction or the other. There's no study. They've done meta studies on all of this stuff. There's no evidence that any of that impacts their explicit actions because only explicit attitudes that they've looked at generate explicit actions. I don't know where this fits into it, but what you said just reminded me of um, studies about the correlation between identity and habit that uh, when you, like, Atomic Habits by, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now that I say it out loud, but Atomic Habits is one. Um, the Power of Habit is another. I think Brene Brown talks about it in her books on shame, but the all these these things that we do as a daily part of what we call life come from who we think we are oftentimes. For example, you all both know that I am notoriously late to things and it's something that I could work on if I started saying identity wise, I am a punctual person and I'm messing up lately. I need to work on it. I'm a punctual person. If I like said that over and over, if you 
claim a different identity formulation about yourself, it actually helps you make new habits. I'm totally in favor of people training themselves to be better people. Right. In but any those, aspect. But habits I'm are formed from subconscious processes. Habits But you can can't change start, a habit you without, can explicitly, without explicit. But it comes implicitly first. Like our habits come from implicitly the way we arrange our days to avoid pain and seek dopamine. That's like how our habits happen, really. But then our explicit identity associations can help rewire our brain in a different direction. So to kind of tie this all back <laughs> to scripture, um, Aww, one of the yeah. things that was making me think of is the um, collection of verses that talk about what you are in your heart is what your <laughs> thoughts are and what comes the, out of your mouth is your actions. plethora of there's, verses. There's many. Um, I actually couldn't find the I was kind of hoping we'd go down this road. Mm. I actually couldn't find the exact one I was thinking of because of how many there are. Um, <laughs> sorry. In the face of the wealth of evidence, <laughs> I struggled to pick the right one, but here you go. The Bible says. Go ahead. Okay, so Mark 7, 20 through 23. It says, and he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? From f- for from within, out of the heart of men, mm. proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornifications, murder, thefts, covetousness, mm. wickedness, mm. deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. What strikes me about these and, and a lot of these similar verses is this. What comes out of a, the heart of men precede evil thoughts. So that's Mark 7 and Mark 7. And, but then in Matthew 12 or Matthew 15, it says, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. For the out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. So thoughts come from the heart, which would be your subconscious, right? So your thoughts mm, come from your subconscious. Well, I, don't, I don't think they're... I don't think so. Well, like so. the heart is translated like yeah. four different ways, yeah. right? So, like, okay. So I'm really like glad you soul, that, brought that be up. Core. Because um, at the same time as everything that I've said, I think we all would agree in the idea of sin nature. Mm-hmm. And right, so I'm in course. no way arguing that humans are inclined to sin mm. because that's definitely true. Right, of but course. But what I'm trying to get at is that as fellow humans to one another... I don't think it's right for us to base our judgment of each other on the things we a cannot test choose. that neither reliably nor validly measures something it claims to measure and therefore allow us to judge the implicit mind of someone else and then refer them to be educated and, and enlightened to how they are implicitly racially biased. It just it just seems like a huge jump in terms of giving a fellow you know fellow humankind like the respect of like you know you are you are responsible for actions that you take you know we can like because there's this balance of like how society shapes us and then what we choose to do with that mm. because we all have to make decisions at some point even with habits like right. I'm going to choose to do this even though society may be suggesting otherwise so. I just, that's my biggest problem with racial, implicit racial bias is it doesn't validly, it's not validly judged and there's no valid solution because in my mind, who are we? We're not God. I think one of the things that I noticed you were saying, like actually a few times recently is that how how can we judge someone else's implicit bias or how is it fair for us to judge other people? Um, And I kind of feel like this is a different conversation and in my mind, it's kind of different, more like 
it's better to be aware of your own self and the way that you go about in the world and possibly can treat other people based upon your own biases mm. to change your own behavior because you want to be the best, most loving version of yourself rather than to totally use it, in favor of that. Then to use mm. it against someone else in some sort of a a, a punishment or cons- consequential kind of a way like oh or judgy I saw yeah or judgy I saw the results of your test and you are not as good of a person as me because okay, so I there are there are currently employers that send their employees into no sen- racial sensitivity training because they've demonstrated on that test implicit association on bias. that test or this just the only, in the yeah, workplace on the test or, say, that say, sounds like an HR thing of you were well no because no because it's this whole narrative in society now that it's like it's so ingrained in you mm. you know what I mean it, mm-hmm. even if you're because there's this whole thing of like even if you don't do anything racist you're still kind of a race like are we really like, all racist if you're, n- if you know? you're not anti-racist then you're racist Ex- well yeah, yeah exactly so then it's it's not it's i feel like i wish it was what you were saying Abigail, i feel like it's because really i think that's much that's a much better approach easy for us though mm-hmm. to sit on this side and be like well not everyone like mm-hmm. it kind of makes me think of <laughs> not this. all men that's exactly what it makes <laughs> you think of it's like 97 okay so this is a different again a different kind of like correlating parallel line right 97% of women in the uk have been sexually assaulted. 97? Um, what? Uh, as far as reported has been. And then you that's have... That's insane. It's insane. If that's true, that's terrible. And so uh, so there's been this kind of movement of like, this is why I'm afraid of mm-hmm. men. And of course you have the backlash of, well, it's not all men. And it's right. like, well, if it's 97 out of 100 men, like and you're saying it's not you, what do you think makes me safe around you until Mm. you've demonstrated to me clearly that you are safe? And Mm. I feel like that parallels itself into the racial Mm -hmm. thing too, especially because in Mm -hmm. in many ways they're similar. Their Mm -hmm. violence comes because of racism. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever kind of bias we want to agree exists. And and, and so how can someone exist in an American world Mm -hmm. where there's this ridiculous percentage of people who look and act a certain way right. hurt them by murdering them by they there was last summer they so were hang, lynchings happened mm-hmm. last summer mm-hmm. and and all of these things kkk still exists and it like had a resurgence i feel like in the last yeah. 10 years and five there's years been, and there's been all of these counter protests and movements against the black lives matter protests which we've talked a little bit about what it stands for versus culturally what it is. Oh, yeah, which the whatever, collapse of the nuclear family. I forgot about that. Which whatever we want to, like, get into it or not. I mean, it's Marxist, but... But, but, sure, but, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of, like, not being racially safe in a lot of ways for people. Even right now, like, the... The, the George Floyd trial? Well, not not even just for white or for black people, but it's also happening with Asians right yeah, now mm-hmm. in America. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so until it can be finding... And, and I think this test, to me, sounds like a desperate grasp at a way to be able to provide safety for a large group of people mm-hmm. who they... If you can identify that these... If people can know that they're thinking in this way, mm-hmm. then maybe they can change and maybe I can be safe... Grasping at straws, maybe, so but grasping at to be something. to be completely fair, to be completely not fair, clear. Mm-hmm. I support almost everything that you've just said in terms of curbing explicit action mm-hmm. that is racist. Right. Just to make that clear, we're on the same page. So one thing you said earlier made you said, "What's the point? We are not God, but we we do as people." Not what's the point? 
You said, who are we? You said, who, who are, are we, we to are make statements about the implicit mind of right. other humans? Right. Sorry. And and I think we do have to judge at one point or another. We have a judicial system for a reason, and we can't. I mean, again, explicit. And it's explicit, yes. Yeah, but like, yeah. there mm-hmm. are there are situations where people have done things out of the actual blue, and then putting them back on trial, being like, where did they go wrong? And trying to grasp at straws. Like, for example, the um, Know My Name, Chanel Miller book memoir she wrote about being sexually assaulted by Brock Turner. That's his name. Brock Turner, by all all uh, descriptions of him, was a model student as far as just being nice to people. Like, he was he was a good hard kid. worker. He was a good kid, quote unquote. I'm doing lots of air quotes for you listeners. But... And then suddenly he assaulted someone on the ground. What happened? And all of that was because of small incremental things that built up over time, dropping boundaries with alcohol, not on her part, on his part. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not like he, he had any record of sexual assault before, as far as I remember, but because there was no record before it, you couldn't pin it on him for the longest time. And part of that is also our system because it is very difficult to prosecute sexual crimes, but it's also because it is really hard for us to see explicit action coming out of the blue. Yeah. We're, we're like, Explicit as- action has to come from somewhere. You like that's why we we love thinking about oh yeah the Columbine shooters. If we had just caught them checking out the um, what's the um, Mein Kampf, if we had just caught them and we had seen the tapes of them like recording in their basement how they were going to shoot up Columbine, if we had just seen that beforehand, we would have been able to catch them. But there there's many shootings that happen where there was not really much of an indication yeah. before they were going down. And like, that's why I think it is, it is important for us to be like, Hey, explicit action does not come from a vacuum, but you have to be watching for what's going on. Does that mean that this test is a excellent, um, source of discovering implicit bias? Well, clearly not. Um, should it be used to have some sort of an HR consequence for employees at a job? Definitely not. Um, but is it something that we should be thinking about? Like that things come not just out of nowhere. Things mm-hmm. don't come out of the blue. They just doesn't. It comes from um, this variety of, of places subconsciously in us that because of the works of nature and nurture maybe mm-hmm. or because of our sin, definitely because of our sin nature, for sure because of our for sin sure. nature. But then also because of the things that we hear, the, the city that we were raised in, the state, right? Like mm-hmm. all of the things that we've seen and the role models we read about and all of these things do create these subconscious views of people. Now, can it be identified down to a millisecond on a test created by social psychologists? Well, it's not reliable. It's not valid, right? So no. But does that mean that it isn't a real thing? Also, no. Maybe it's an immeasurable thing that we just should know exists and Mm. should be aware of because Mm. I hope, I hope Mm-hmm. that all of you who are listening to this want to be the best versions of yourself, regardless if that's because of the renewing of your mind through the Holy Spirit mm. or just because you want to be a good person. Um, because racism is a thing. Like, it is. We all agree. And and it ends horribly when people make split-second decisions explicitly, but those explicit decisions come from somewhere. So I guess as a way to conclude, actually, I like that. That's a good way to conclude. Yeah. Thanks. I agree. I think, I hope, we hope that you listeners try to be the best you can be and make yourself better, however, you know, in socially acceptable means, I guess. 
maybe. I don't know. Um, watch out for your implicit thoughts. <laughs> I don't know why I said that with the lisp. Watch out for your implicit thoughts. And once again, you've reached inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast. Sharing is caring. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Inconclusive Podcast. Talk to you next time.